0: Kate Muldoon was working in palliative care when tragedy struck and turned her world upside down. She took this as a sign to reassess her own life and forged a new career in business coaching. Kate is the founder of Ladies with Tradies and works with couples in trade businesses to remove the overwhelm from running their business and take back control of their lives. Kate shares with us her story, the challenges faced by women with partners in the trade industry, and why we need to re-evaluate the high expectations we place on ourselves. Meet my friend Kate from Ladies with Tradies. Welcome Kate and thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thanks Kimberly, great to be here.
0: Now, I know you have a back-to-back day and tech issues this morning, so I really, really do appreciate it. And uh, you also mentioned that
1: you're working from home today, so there may be some background noise. Yes, yes. uh, It's the perils of being a tradie wife, Kimberly. is, um, you know, the occasional, with the celebrated time that they are home doing work on your own house and not at somebody else's also comes fraught with danger when you work from home. So apologies if there's a little bit of banging, crashing, sawing, uh, nail gunning, all sorts in the background. Um, welcome to the life of a tradie
0: wife. Uh, Look, maybe we can play secret sound uh, at the end. You know, is that a drill or a nail gun? great idea. (laughs) I'm sure there's some uh, women out there who'll know exactly what each sound is. Oh, they will. Uh, Look, now, up until a few months ago, uh, you were actually based in Bendigo, but uh, you and your tradie husband recently moved to Wentworth. Uh, Do you want to tell me why the big move? Has it been hard to re establish your business? And uh, what are you loving about the Sunraysia region?
1: Oh, look, uh, it was a bit of a random decision, which is not unlike the Muldoons. We're a bit random in our decision making processes, but um, we moved up to Wentworth to live on the river. And it has been such an incredible, uh, incredibly positive decision for us, um, for our relationship, for. Uh, our businesses, a lot, a whole lot of reasons. Um, we were looking for a bit of isolation, a bit of a change up. We knew we wanted to live on the river. We didn't think that would happen as soon as it has. So took an opportunity um, because we saw it just grabbed it. And, you know, as far as moving our businesses, it hasn't really, uh, for me in Ladies with Tradies, it's not impacted my business really at all. I've been uh, online now since probably June last year so we I did make the transition to be all online and coaching people via video when we decided we were going to move so for me I transitioned pretty easily Jace uh he's been it's been really interesting we've had to use a whole lot of the strategies um, that we we teach at ladies with tradies to get Jason off the ground up here in the sunraiser so that's been kind of cool um And he he, was sort of, you know, running crews of up to five blokes at a time and bits and pieces back in Bendigo um, for owner builders and and then came back to being on his little old lonesome. And so we had to start from scratch, but it's been unbelievable and the community have really embraced us Um, and it's, oh, the weather, gosh, Yeah, so good. I mean, it has been raining this week, but we're just loving the lifestyle. We're very lucky.
0: Yeah, it is a fantastic lifestyle there, isn't it? Uh, Look, I have a bit of a soft spot for that area. For the last, oh, three and a bit years, um, I've travelled up to Mildura to do some social media workshops and, you know, had the chance to meet some wonderful small business owners, some of whom we've featured in uh, Oak Magazine. And uh, probably to that point, um, we featured your story uh, in our Lisa Messenger edition uh, way back in January last year, which um, does seem like a lifetime ago. Now, in it, you spoke of the moment that your world was turned upside down, but obviously that moment also gave you reason to reassess your own life and, and take a different path. Uh, can you share that story
1: with us? Yeah, sure. So um, I'd been a palliative care nurse for quite some time. And uh, it's so, I, I always say it's a little bit ironic. You can be working in the death industry, I suppose you say, and not necessarily be confronted by your own mortality or that of your own family it seems a little bit strange so palliative care nursing is nursing people at end of life and that was an incredibly rewarding career and uh, such a privilege and really got gave me the opportunity to hone my communication skills and my assessment skills and my ability to really connect with people in a very very vulnerable time of their lives and their families lives and Uh, and then in April of 2010 my little brother died in a car accident at the age of 19 and it was you know unfortunately and this is the thing Kimberly everybody needs this kick up the butt unfortunately sometimes in life where they go heck I need to reassess here and I need to there's there's got to be more um, or I need to live more on purpose I suppose and that wasn't necessarily the very deliberate dialogue I was having with myself at the time, but it's enough to, when you're confronted by that, yeah, you do sort of go, heck, what am I doing? At the time, I was doing postgraduate studies. I was uh, working in um, as an associate manager in Pell Care and also running an education program and it was hectic, studying and doing all that stuff, and and then this all happened. I went, yeah, okay, there's got to be a better way. Um, so started to reevaluate life, um, and then eleven months later, my partner, he and I had only recently separated, died um, of a drug overdose, and so within eleven months, these two significant gentlemen in my life um, had died. Young people. And I was like, well, this is BS. <laughs> so, um, and that's all very unfair, but I've got three people to be living for now. It's time to make a big impact and, and this has happened for you, not to you. Um, and it's only afterwards that you reflect on all these things and you go, oh, they're such a gift. But, um, yeah, I guess it kicked me up the butt enough to change. So I moved to Bendigo from Ballarat and started my new life with Jace, um, who's my now husband. And um, Bendigo was great for me. It's I went and got a coach myself, and that's how I learned about business coaching, because I, I was running a little bit of a side business at home, as well as working in healthcare, um, coaching executive teams, and doing bits and pieces. And uh, was feeling a little bit like a fraud, Kimberly, and I'm sure none of the women you ever interview feel like that. Oh no,
0: <laughs> that's a fraud. No, that's that's not a feeling that we know. <laughs> Imposter syndrome. Nice. What is this? <laughs> yeah, so
1: I had a lot of that going on, and thought, oh my gosh, I have to educate myself more. I have to get myself up to speed. I can't possibly be talking to CEOs and executives when I'm just a little nurse, and so. Went and got a coach, and he. I was offered the job of my dreams, and my coach counter offered me and said, No, 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 you need to do what we do. And that coach was that was Paul Henshall from Bendigo, the beautiful Paul Henshall. Yeah, he's a very dear friend of mine. Very, um, I you know, when you've got somebody in your life that you're lucky enough that sees more in you than you see of yourself, that is a blessing. Um, mm-hmm. and he's certainly been that gift uh, in my life and continues to be just an unwavering support, um, always in my corner. And so I've been very, very lucky for that.
0: Fantastic. Now, when did Ladies with Tradies kick off then? You know, you obviously got into coaching, but when was it that you thought, oh, hang on here, there's a niche that I could fill?
1: Well, it sort of picked me a little bit. I'd been coaching for about nine, 10 months. And I noticed that the people that I was attracting were tradie wives. They were were saying, oh, I've seen a video or I've seen something that you've posted. This is back when, like, I feel like Facebook for me, when I started using it, it's changed so much. But you reflect on that time. And I think, geez, it was all easy back then. And we got such good traction. If you were even half posted a video on there, they were giving you all the views that ever were known to men back then. And these women were saying, oh, I, you need to talk to my husband. I think that he would get along with you. And um, I want us to come and talk to you. So By accident, really, a a number of tradie wives were bringing their husbands in and I started coaching a few of them. And I just happened to be in the car with Paul um, and Darren, who is another beautiful mentor of mine. And I said, I've got this idea. I seem to be attracting all these tradie wives. I thought about a business name. How do you think ladies with tradies would fly? they said quick get online right now let's pay let's let's get the url let's get this." and, and it was sort of born out of a car conversation which so many of my ideas aren't. yeah so um i just started it and it it sort of grew a few legs and we in we uh invested a fair bit into video marketing early in the piece um which it paid off really well we got it we did a viral video and Um, I'm very grateful to those guys, the Vidco boys from Bendigo who really got me off the ground um, with that video marking. So yeah, it just was a little, a beautiful accident, but you know, I am a lady with a tradie. I am them. I am my audience. So I guess it makes the cut through a bit easier. Mm. In terms
0: of your target audience being ladies with tradies, what type of issues or type
1: of challenges are, are they facing? I think the biggest thing is that they want so desperately to support their tradies, but they don't know how to do that. Um, So they get—we've got the stereotypical assumption that says, "Oh, the wife does the books," and and that is that tends to be how it rolls. And then they they also tend to be women who are you know like the people that you your audience are, Kimberly. They they're thirsty for knowledge. They want to do more. They want to help more. They're just not sure where to go with that. Um, and they're highly intelligent. And so the challenge they have is I want to do more, but every time I try to do more, or I want to do more. A, I don't know where to start or B, I'm worried he's going to push back on me or that he thinks that I'm trying to get into his patch. And and so women in, in a very male dominated industry is an ongoing challenge. And We've got a lot to offer the industry. I think the more women that are getting into the construction space, the better it's getting. Um, But yeah, the main challenge is their role, defining their role in their business. And the halfway point between do I get a job or do I throw all of myself into this business 100% with my tradie and what's the risk versus the benefit of that? They're the main things. Oh, I think that is such a big decision to make. It really is. And I, I find where part of my, the biggest part of my role when I coach couples in business is unpacking that a little bit. So being sure that you're capturing the aspirations of both people in the couple, because I I think what where we unstick um, ourselves as women all the time is we're so busy trying to support our kids and support our husbands to fulfil their own dreams that we lose our own space in it all. Um, and I was speaking to, who was that? Somebody last week who said, there's these women that get to their sort of it was my kinesiologist i'll shout out to her later but she was saying 50 sort of 55 year old women whose children are grown and who have sacrificed everything to pour themselves either into their husband's business or into their children are getting to the point where they're going well who am i and So I'm really mindful through the coaching process of capturing the essence of the lady in the business at the beginning and understanding what her goals, dreams and aspirations are before we go down the path of integrating her into the business. Because if I don't want a resentful wife in there, because it's going to stuff the whole job. So we've got to be always, we've got to find the healthy tension between Radio, we need you, Wifey, to help us get this shit off the ground. Excuse the language. We've got to have you um, in for a while, at least, to get it to a point where we either we work you out um, or we reduce the load of on you in the business. If you want to carry on and um, carry out that aspiration that you spoke about, so we've got to really nail that because too often I. Yeah, at the beginning, we, they go, oh, yes, yeah, so I'm going to come in and save the world and I want this business to be amazing and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then the dynamic just falls on its butt. Either they clash too much or she's resentful or he gets resentful. So really, my job is to unpack what the direction is early on and do personality profiles on them and really understand who they are at the core of their being. Then we go, okay, this is the plan of attack and how we work you in or how we work you out.
0: And personality profiles, like having worked in some big corporates who invest in that style of training, like I've seen the benefit of realising how individual we are in terms of our communication style.
1: It's one of my favourite things to do with couples when we unpack that. You should see the relief on their faces on the screen sometimes. It's like, oh, that's why we butt heads over that or that's why we're so on the same page about this and and it's and all of a sudden the way they communicate with each other it's almost like there's a level of permission that's granted and a level of acceptance of the other personality type that just helps us so much in the coaching process because before they've understood themselves because a lot of it is we don't understand ourselves enough then somebody talks you through and mind you when I do the profile the first thing I ask them to do in the coaching relationship and I'll give them a bit of a summary and we'll go through it on the second or third session and they go you've just met me how do you know all of those things and it's because it's all in the report and They just understand each other so much better, which helps them work together as a team better as well, which is beautiful.
0: Oh, that is. That really is beautiful. So, look, we were just talking offline before just about the high expectations that that women place on themselves. Can you tell me a little bit more about how that links back into, say,
1: like a personality profile? I guess the thing that I'm always... um, mindful of and learning myself around every single day is the level of expectation that I put on my tradie um, and on myself (laughs) which tends to be unreasonable Um, and and that's where the safety comes from the personality profile is once you understand what motivates one person and the other and what their behavioral style is one person versus the other again it changes the level of expectation we have of each other you know if we aren't being mindful of uh, the behavioral patterns of our tradie and he's not being mindful of them for us as well and we're not asking each other for help in the areas that we need help in it all just it just doesn't work um so this is where communication comes in and, and I think that's probably one of the key things. It's funny. People say, thought we signed up for business coaching, not marriage counseling and mediation and, um, you know, relationships, advice and sex therapy. Like we didn't, thought this was meant to be business coaching. <laughs> and I say, oh, well, 80% of my work is on the human beings and 20% just happens to be about business. And that's, Honestly, how it splits down. So it's just about cutting each other a bit of slack, really. Sometimes it is. But you're
0: right. We do put very high expectations on ourselves, and I think there'd be a lot of women who would be listening at the moment that could resonate with that. Um, look, obviously we're recording during COVID, where like our roles have changed dramatically, um, and whether we like to admit it or not, I think women are sort of shouldering most of that burden. Um, look, I'm one of those who, you know, I'm at home taking care of the family. And and look, I work from home anyway, but all of a sudden I have these four little co-workers that just like to hang out with me between the hours of nine and three when they don't usually. And so my work takes a backseat, you know, and I've got a husband who I'm slightly envious of, who is lucky enough to go, you know, to leave the house every day and, uh, and go to work.
1: It's interesting, I've sort of been observing the whole dynamic that is at the moment and I don't have kids um, just to declare to the audience so it's probably easier for me to have a, a different sort of view from the outside but I actually, it hasn't actually changed, it's changed in the volume that you're doing it. You've all done all of these things that you're doing for your children and with your children and it was already extreme and, um, it's now gone to next level on steroids extreme, where you have got so much more teaching to do, so much more nurturing to do, so much more bloody feeding to do. <laughs> and so it's all the things you were already doing. And yes, like the expectation around the teaching element is completely different and you're sending, getting sent all this stuff. But you're doing all the amazing things that you already did. And I don't think there's been enough recognition of that.
0: Yeah, completely true. And um, just in regards to feeding small humans, uh, just if anyone would like a tip that's uh, listening, we pack lunch boxes at the start of each day and it's then just kitchen closed because otherwise, if they're not eating out of that lunchbox, they're in my kitchen cupboards, they're in my fridge and they are costing me a small fortune on food.
1: Oh, it's amazing! I can't. With all the mums I'm talking to, they're just like, seriously, how many? What has anybody got ideas for how you keep them going? That's perfect. Beautiful.
0: Yeah, it is a good tip and it's uh, certainly getting a workout at the moment. Um, and do you know what? I actually don't make the lunch boxes uh, myself and I actually never have. So that just comes a little bit back to like the beginning of um, when we had our first baby and uh, just realizing really quickly that I wasn't suited to be a stay-at-home mum. You know, I wasn't happy staying at home all the time and it just wasn't great for my mental health. Uh, So we role reversed. Uh, So my husband stayed home with the babies and yeah, I went to work. And um, yeah, in a way, my husband is used to doing a lot of those stay at home jobs. So, you know, the cooking tea, doing lunch boxes, getting the washing done, all of that sort of stuff. So just Sharing the load, I suppose. However, it's yeah really hard at the moment. Suddenly, I've got all four home with me, twenty four seven, and yeah, just trying to get their schoolwork done, make sure I'm on top of my client work, uh, and that you know I'm still promoting my business. And uh, yeah, it's just work overload at the moment. The juggle is real.
1: Yeah, you, you, you're doing that. You're doing the juggle. A lot of the mums, I think that's where the biggest challenge is at the moment. With. The juggle between, because the businesses usually run from home as well, the people I'm working with. And so, um what, and you've nailed it with your husband, if everybody out there can take a leaf from Kimberly's family's book, is if you can lay down those um, ideals sooner rather than later, the better off you'll be. And, and I've honestly been having chats with many of the mums who are like, they've sent me a text to my clients and I'll go, seriously like can you give me a job to do that's outside of the house that's business oriented because I'm going to do something I shouldn't to my children um because they they have very much decided in one way or another that their role is um and more than just the mum thing and just is the wrong word don't take that the wrong way you've got multifaceted roles um as human beings and and the mum section of it you need to almost declare what percentage of your world that will be because all of my um you know friends especially colleagues who have drawn that line and accepted that line and who they are and have stopped fighting against this bs ideal that oh I should love being a mother 24/7 and gone no, 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 that isn't me. If I if I do do that, I'm either going to be highly anxious, highly depressed, or a combination of it all. Um, and drawn that line and said, "Hey, husband, I need you. I need a chop out, just like you've done. Um, so much, such a better relationship, such a better dynamic with the children as well. And you can give more to your kids for making that choice for yourselves than you ever would have if you tried to do it full time. The mum, like it's just. I mean, mother guilt, like it should be seriously in the World Health Organization's mental health, um, you know, section of the, I can't think of what the book's called right now off the top of my head, but... The mother guilt thing is just rife in our society and you're trying to do bloody everything and it is unreasonable. 100% agree.
0: Uh, Look, the flip side to that, Kate, is when you choose not to be like a full-time stay-at-home mum is how you're perceived by other people, um, by society. It's very hard to find like-minded mums that go, yeah, actually, I hate being a stay-at-home mum too. And it's not because
1: you don't love your kids. You've got to love yourself first. And that, and that's the thing that when, because you cannot be anything to anybody if you're not nurturing yourself first and your soul first. And, and I guess where I sort of jab mums in the ribs a little bit with a bit of reality is I say, well, okay, what kind of example do you want to set for your own kids? And That's a bit like, well, I don't want them to feel obliged to do all the things that I do because I'm too busy being pressured by society and what they think of me. So if you're not going to do it for yourself, do it for their future is a little bit of the, it's hard. It sounds harsh for me with no children over here, but, you know, sometimes you've got to be a bit cruel to be kind Mm. to your friends. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, um, just switching gears completely, uh, you have a Facebook group for Ladies with Tradies, uh, which has an amazing 11,000 members. Now, in the early days of COVID, you started showing up every morning for a cuppa and a chat. Um, Have you noticed that women are needing more support during this time?
1: Yeah. So it's interesting I'm not sure, Kimberly. So, and the reason for the, uh, yes, it is absolutely is the first answer. The second answer is I upped the ante um, in response to a crisis. Now, it's a bit like anything that we do. I, I And I keep saying to myself, girl, maybe you should have upped the ante before the crisis occurred. And it might've, you might've been supporting more people more rigorously in the first place. So that's just the inner critic popping up, but um absolutely people do need more support but I think what they are thriving on is consistency so it might not even be necessarily that I'm saying anything profound it's probably more that they're like oh that that group of women who get it are going to be online at the same time Yeah. yeah so I don't I don't know and sometimes you know the topic will get traction other times it'll get um less and and some people will go back and replay and tell me that they've done the replay thing and others won't. And so I don't, again, I would never get too hung up on numbers. So I get, I'm very privileged and very grateful that, you know, a few people pop up on my um, lives and that's awesome and I love the interaction. So please keep coming if you're coming. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it's it's a bit of a what's popped into my head this morning. Um conversations. So. Yeah,
0: but you might be right in that Kate that your members know there's a place that they can go online and you know at the same time every day there'll be like-minded people that um, you know are sharing the same issues and having the same struggle. Uh, so yeah that could very well be it
1: and I've got to say that's mostly okay I sent I educate people on all this business stuff but every time I do around the room when we're on a zoom with a group coaching session say what have you taken away from today and it's been a group of women they all say oh I just love the group (laughs) and I go oh bloody hell I've taught you nothing um but that's awesome that's what we want we want people to feel part of something and that's yeah like that's the best that's the best And if they happen to take away a little bit of information on the side, that's a a bonus. My gosh, it is.
0: Now, you obviously have your coaching business, but you've also got two other projects that I would like to talk about. Uh, You're a published author now, uh, so you can add that to your LinkedIn. And
1: you're a podcast host as well. Oh look, you know it's a, isn't it just what you do? Like <laughs> it is. Yep. Um, well, the book thing, Kimberly. Yes, it is super awesome, and I'm really proud and all of that. But um, that was a challenge I set to myself. For some reason, I, I'm one of those people that, unless there's a challenge in it and a bit of competition, I probably won't do it. So I um, challenged myself. This was two years ago. Challenge was I. I, I like wanted to finish something significant, you know, and because uh, I'm a person, I'm a bit of a magpie, I see a bright shiny thing and off I go to it. And so I was like, what's the thing that ha- has a very clear start and finish and is probably a little bit hard to do? And um, at the time, one of my action coach buddies was running a book writing course and I was like, oh, geez, that's pretty, that's pretty start and finish, isn't it? And there's a thing, a product at the end, and you know it's a great business card at the same time. So that was that was that challenge <laughs> I threw down to myself, um, and that was a process. Wow, um, and still makes me feel a little bit anxious knowing that it's out there. Really? Oh, it's your it's your life on a page, and and I get a bit vulnerable in a few parts of it, um, which is what the whole point is. Is you know if you're going to write something, put a bit of yourself in it, um, and yeah, I think sometimes. Oh God, did I go too far explaining that part? Or, um, but it's beautiful, and and it's been, um, it's really helped me get through some of that imposter syndrome, and and make it the credibility. I suppose that has come. Has been really good too. So the book's been cool. Mm,
0: Yeah. Actually, now that you mention it, uh, I got a one star on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. So I actually recorded a podcast episode ranting about that, but it just never went to air. I had the pity party and just didn't press publish. But what came out of it was me talking about the fact that, you know, yes, when you do an interview, when you write an article, you do leave a little bit of yourself in there. And, you know, whether that's sharing a bit of your story or whatever it is, it's personal. Uh, there's little bits of you in that.
1: And when someone one stars you, yeah, it, uh, it hurts. And I think it comes back to that that vanity metric thing again too, Kimberly. And I, I've worked pretty hard um, on myself, especially over the last 18 months. So i've been doing this program anyone can look it up it's called quality mind it's made founded by an australian and um that's been vital in me not like i shrug that shit off now so so if i was to get a one star on my podcast i have a giggle at that and i and the reason for that is is um we're not all everybody's flavor and that's okay and I have views that some people will think are controversial, but they're not my tribe, and and being okay with that. Um, and I actually had um, somebody say, "Oh, I think I want you to edit this or that." Um, in the last little while, and I said, "Why?" So you know, why do you want that edited? And this is the beauty of it: doing a Facebook Live is you can't you can't take it back. Well, you can you can delete it, but people are gonna know. <laughs> And so I guess trusting in that who you are and what you're putting out there. And whilst I said it still makes me anxious that the books out there, the books are very feels very permanent. Once it's in somebody's hand, it's in their hand, and you can't hold it back. Um, and yeah, I guess I'd just challenge the thought process on that, um, the one star thing or the. Because everything that you say is perfect and it, somebody needs to hear that thing that you're about to delete probably. Um, and that's what I said to this friend, this person. I said, somebody needs to hear that bit that you want to take away because it makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable. What if that's the game changer in one person's life that changes the trajectory or the path that they're on but you're taking it away?
0: So you really do think that you can learn to
1: shrug that stuff off? Oh, Yeah. A hundred percent. Because it, you are ten out of ten, no matter what you do. My mentor, April, who's you know been working with me on this stuff, absolutely she's spot on. We're all perfect, and but we're not all perfect for all people, and that's mm-hmm. cool.
0: And let's just pick up on that point of mentors. You've mentioned it a couple of times, obviously with Paul and Darren, and uh, and now April.
1: So you have mentors that coach you. Yeah, so I've got um, obviously I've got Paul, I've got my mind mentor who's April, I've got my action coach Chris and I've got my book coach Brett and I've done like Tony Robbins coaching off and on as well. So at any one time at a minimum I've got three coaches Um, and so that's that's because i want to practice what I preach, I believe in coaching really strongly. And I know that I get to where I do because I've got someone pushing me. Um, so yeah, I've got plenty of them. Mm.
0: When you look back, Kate, can you see how far you've come? And can you identify um, like what's helped you get to where you are?
1: Ooh. That's a ripping question. Sometimes you, you do, but most of the time it feels Like I'd say, it's very organic. So um, I remember when last year I won um, the Action Coach Rising Star Award, and that was about a um, that was about bankings basically, and and consistency and how you've grown. And so that was a good kind of oh okay, that's a pretty good thing to have done. And it was a little bit of the tick box moment for me, where okay, you've been. validated there that you're doing a really good job it was probably the first metric I'd had that that I'd gone wow I have come a long way um as far as a human being goes yes I can see it but I think that we all just evolve who we are further and further and further so our authentic self comes more to the fore the more that we work on ourselves or the more we progress in our business so um Yeah, you can. Yeah, I can. I can see a lot and my confidence and my capability and who I am and the knowledge, unbelievable. Like couldn't even recognize who I was from three years ago. Um, And that is because I've worked hard at it. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, it is all showing. Now, before I let you go, can you tell us about a friend of yours that we need to know about?
1: I can. So my incredible friend, Anna Pickering uh, from Evoke Kinesiology. Um, so she has you know, absolutely poured work into herself and, and her and I talk all the time about our own growth and we're basically our, each, each other's harshest critic and greatest supporter all at the same time. And She transforms people's lives and I refer all of my clients who are stuck in their business mentally to her. So she, I call her like the person that you go to to get unstuck. (laughs) So she works on some of your greatest self-sabotaging moments and and unlocks whatever that blockage is within you so that you can get through that. And she does does it for me all the time as well. So she's a kinesiologist, Anna, and she's a rural chickie as well. So she's up in Horsham and absolutely phenomenal.
0: There you go. I am sure there'll be many women listening to this right now and writing down Anna's name and how they can get in touch with her. And um, yeah, speaking of how to get in touch with people, where can we find you?
1: yeah so I think Facebook is the best place really um so ladies with tradies on Facebook um and you know send me a PM and I'd be more than happy to chat with anybody um any couple or person or woman who's working in business with their partner not just trades because the themes are all the same um yeah so hit me up on Facebook amazing
0: thank you so much Kate for being on our podcast today pleasure thanks so much for having me you're welcome. Now, before you take off with all that inspiration and knowledge, we'd love for you to leave a review on our podcast so that we can continue to amplify women's voices in the media. And if you have any questions we'd like to celebrate a win, you can always connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Oak Magazine AU. I'm so glad we've met and that now you know a friend of mine.